by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. All right, so Ezra, first thing we're going to be in is Ezra 9-1. So a uh, little context about what was going on in the book of Ezra. So Israel was exiled at this time. Uh, they had sinned a lot. If you ever read First and Second Kings, or First and Second Chronicles, or uh, any of the Old Testament books, you'll know that uh, there were good kings and there were bad kings. And there's a much bigger majority of bad kings than there were good kings. The good kings were kind of few and far between. So after hundreds and hundreds of years of sinning, going back to God, sinning, going back to God, sinning. Uh, God finally allowed them to be overcome by their enemy, Babylon. So Babylon came in, took Jerusalem, and uh, what happened was they actually took a lot of the poorer people and took them to Babylon as uh, slaves, as servants. And uh, in this time, Ezra was allowed to go back to Jerusalem after Babylon fell. So I know this sounds like a lot of historical stuff that doesn't make sense, but uh, that's, it's kind of important for what the scripture says. So, um, another thing, uh, Ezra was a scribe and a priest. So, he actually wound up leading a group of 50,000 Jews back to Jerusalem. So, it kind of went like this. Uh, Ezra was allowed to return, and he brought a bunch of Jews with him to restore the temple of the Lord, to restore the city of the Lord. Um, and he did this because he felt like God was putting this on his heart, right? He, he was in anguish because his city, his home was... His home nation was in ruins. So he's allowed to go back. And when he went back, we're going to be in Ezra 9.1. That's where we're going to start. Um, they had a lot of things they had to do. So they started immediately, started building the wall around the city, and they started building the temple. So the temple was where they went and worshiped God, right? So that was like priority. So uh, about the end of when they were building, the, rebuilding the city, uh, Ezra 9.1 tells us, uh, when these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, many of the people of Israel and even some of the priests and Levites have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. So they did all the ites. And was it good? So Israel had this uh, perpetual nature. They kept going back to sin over and over, right? Um, in Kings, First Kings, it, it tells a story about how uh, Israel was supposed to be governed by God, but they wanted to be like the nations around them. So they wound up begging God to put a king over them, and he told them, if you want a king, you're going to have nothing but trouble. And they said, okay, that's fine. Uh, and I do that a lot, by the way. I, I'll ask God for things, and he's like, well, I'll let you do that, but it's going to be a, a nuisance. And I'll be like, fine, that's fine, because I, I want to do what I want to do, right? Um, so in this moment, Ezra was the guy that God had picked to go back to Jerusalem and reestablish the city, reestablish the temple, and teach the people what the Word of God was saying. Uh, in this particular verse, uh, it came to his attention that the people had sinned in a way that they always sin. So 
if you don't know why it's such a bad sin for the Israelites to have intermarried, that's one of the main commandments that God gave to Moses and gave to the people early on, before they were even in the land that God had given them. And the reason is because as they married into other peoples, they married into other cultures and other gods. So it wasn't like today where, you know, you marry and you marry into families. Well, it is a little bit. You marry into families and you take their customs, right? But back then it was like really big. It was like you take their customs and their religions. And everyone had their own set, sets of gods. Every household had their own idols. So this was a thing that happened to Ezra. Ezra had been through a lot. If you ever read Ezra and Nehemiah, you know that the nations around them were trying to shut them down and say that, you know, they're trying to rebel against the king. Um, and all Ezra was trying to do was just worship. He was trying to worship God and do what he felt like God put him there to do. So then he gets brought with this, you know, hey, the people have sinned in a very old way. Um, so what's the first thing we do when we sin? Ezra could have, and, and what he wound up doing was, uh, we'll flip over in a little bit over to Ezra 10. Uh, Ezra 10, 1 through 4. Uh, while Ezra prayed and made this confession, weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God. So he's just like broken because he was here to try to establish, you know, this reconnection between the Israelites and God. And what happened? The Israelites broke that connection. So what's the first thing we do when we sin? I think, uh, speaking of experience, I mean, that's really what most of what I say tonight is going to be is just my own experience. So if it sounds dumb, that might be why. But uh, from experience, I, when I sin or when I do things that aren't smart, like I have a good example. God gave me this because God has a sense of humor, okay? Coming home from work, leave straight out of work and work at Sam's Club part-time. Head out of the parking lot, someone's coming straight at me. And I don't move because I'm going up, you know, the arrows in the parking lot. I'm going up the up arrow. They're coming down the up arrow. So I'm not moving. I'm going, right? So I'm going. Well, she's going. But, she, you know, she's going towards me. And I'm like, well, I'm not moving, right? So we literally sit there for a minute, and I put my car in park. And I'm just like, what are you doing? But I'm mouthing it because, like, she can't, she's in another car. So I'm like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and, and so she's just keeps like inching towards me and I'm like what am I supposed like I'm not going to do I'm doing the right thing you're not doing the right thing right <laughs> so anyways I wind up backing up and she like uh does that on her way past me and I just want to you know you ever just want to like follow people just to scare them you ever want to I'm not saying like in a weird way I'm just saying <laughs> like you know like not do anything just make them think yeah yeah there's too many people nodding their heads, actually. That kind of makes me nervous. But, uh, yeah, so that's an example of something where I felt kind of embarrassed because how should I have, like, handled that? I have no idea. But I did, definitely didn't want to tell anyone that that had happened because it makes me look like a bad driver, and it also makes me look like a psychopath. Cause <laughs> I, well, that's why I say, right, like, I was trying to do what was right. This person was doing what was wrong. And in the end, one of us had to give, right? Well, I was still doing what was right. I didn't do wrong by letting her go around. I just had to let it go. So that's something that God just taught me right now 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but it's an example of the things that I do that I'm like, I would rather just run away from instead of actually handling, right? So uh, this was an age-old tale for Israel. They do that a lot. They would uh, repent. There'd be a good king come up. 
and they would reestablish the law of uh, God, and then they'd have a bad king come up, and he would destroy the, the law of God, and it'd be ten times worse than it was before. Um, so in Ezra 10, 1 through 4, we already read a little bit of it. Uh, he's praying and making a confession, weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God. And a very large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, and children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. So it wasn't just Ezra, it was the people. And in some versions, it even says the people uh, who have committed this. So it was some of the people that had even sinned, gathered and wept bitterly with him. So uh, in verse 2, this is a verse that God just showed me a couple months ago. And just something clicked in me when I read this. Um, then Shechaniah, a guy you'll never hear about in the Bible anywhere else, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land. But in spite of this, there is hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. We are follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law of God. Get up, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We are behind you, so be strong and take action. So something I think God is speaking into me is, I get to be a Shechaniah type guy. I get to tell people, hey, you are a man or a woman of God, and it's time for you to stand up and take action. Notice there, this is a moment of sin, right? The people have sinned. And no one said, hey, you should really just, like, crawl in a corner and act like this didn't happen. If he, there, there are people that probably want it to. And we'll read about a, a few people that actually didn't want to make a plan, right? But Shechaniah tells Ezra, be strong, take action. We'll follow the advice given by you. Let it be done according to the law of God. So Ezra took action based on the word of God. So the tendency of what we wind up doing when we sin or like when I drive really bad, uh, we tend to run away from it and not make plans. Uh, I think Christians are really bad about making plans because I think we tell ourselves that God's plans are higher than our plans, which is true, 100%. But also, if, you, if your plan is to not have a plan, you succeed. Yeah, if you have no goal, then you have achieved your goal. Right. Um, I don't think God wants us to have no goal. It's like in this situation, Ezra could have, his goal could have been just like laying in grief. That's what he did. That was his initial response. He laid in grief before the Lord and he could have just stayed there. He could have never got back up. But I don't think that's what God wanted him to do. He still had a job to do. He still had to rebuild the temple. He still had to rebuild uh, and try to restore that connection to God through, through Israel. So, uh, that's something we have to do in our own lives. We have to seek God's counsel in our planning. The Christians that don't plan are not acting biblically. They're just running from things. I, I, again, from my own experience, that's what I'm speaking. Uh, I'm a, a bad habit of, I know God's going to figure things out for me, which means I don't plan things that are 100% in my control to plan and that God probably wants me to plan, right? Um, so in Ezra 12:13. Uh, this is after they talked a little bit about what do we do now? The people have sinned. Now we need to be restored to God. So what do we do? Uh, the whole assembly raised their voices. This is uh, Ezra 12:13, and answered, yes, you are right. We must do as you say. 
This is after Ezra told them what the word of God said. Then they added, this isn't something that could be done in a day or two, for many of us are involved in this extremely sinful affair. And this is the rainy season, so we cannot stay out here much longer. So one thing that stood out to me there, there's another verse in 12 that says that the people were shuddering because of the seriousness of the matter and because of the weather. And just something about that made me go, it's a very human thing to shudder because of the weather. But if you can imagine, if we were all in an assembly out in the elements talking about this great sin that we have to take action of, right? How would you feel? This was not a fun event. This was not a, a gathering of, uh, you know, a town hall. This was like, yeah, exactly. This, this was like uh, people were in mourning and trying to figure out what to do. Um, and the weather was bad. Um, so the people of Israel, Israel realized this was too big of a job to do all at once. Um, that's something that God's showing to me as well. That most of the things he's put in my heart to do and to pursue, I want to do right now. I want to do it yesterday. And uh, many things that I'm going to do, I'm not going to do until I'm probably long gone. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, it's going to be 50 years, maybe, if I make it. My uh, driving, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Um, so they realized it was too big to do all in one day. So they came up with a plan, right? So Ezra 16... I'm sorry. I said Ezra 12, and I said, I said that to pastor. Um, it's Ezra 10, 12 through 13. I wrote that down wrong. There is no Ezra 12. So if y'all were looking for Ezra 12, y'all either passed or failed the test. Um, <laughs> so in Ezra 10, 16 through 17, uh, it says, so this was the plan that they followed. Ezra selected leaders to re represent their families, designating each of the representatives by name. On December 29th, the leaders sat down to investigate the matter. By March 27th, the first day of the new year, they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. Now, the plan, I skipped a few verses, was to send away the foreign wives and their children. Not an easy task, right? It wasn't just as easy as, you know, hey, don't see that woman anymore. It was, they had families, they had property, you know, and they had to send them away and not see them again. It was a big deal. But if you notice the dates in that verse, December 29th, the leader sat down to investigate the matter. By March 27th, that's three-ish months, right? The first day of the new year, they finished dealing with all the men. So in three months, they dealt with an issue that it has, like, wrecked Israel. Keep in mind, this is one of the big sins that Israel keeps committing, and that's why they're currently exiles in a foreign land. So in three months, they solved it. Why? Because they're so, like, smart men. Why? Because Ezra was such a good leader? No, right? They had such a good plan, right? Well, the plan was they went to God and they came up with, how do we set this right? And according to the word of God, they determined the only way to set things right was to do a really hard thing and send their foreign wives and children away and, and to start rebuilding the temple. But in three months' time, they handled a situation that has devastated Israel for generations, for centuries. So that's one of the things that God is calling us to do. There are generational curses in people's lives that you do not have to continue, like, carrying. I know many people that feel like, you know, God's going to set them free from a generational curse. And that's 100% what's going to happen. He will set you free from any curse, any generational thing, any genetic thing, 
God can, can and will set you free. But there are some things you can do. Like, I, I know a lot of people that smoke and want to quit smoking. I don't mean to uh, read anyone's mail. But they'll be like, I'll quit one day. And it's like, well, what's your plan to quit? Well, I mean, one day I'm definitely going to quit because, you know, you can't smoke forever. You're right, you can't. But what's your plan? Like, like how do you get to where you want to go? So uh, I have a couple steps, four steps that uh, we can do to plan with God. And the most important part to realize here is uh, this is not self-improvement. And it's not, you know, visualize your goals and who you want to be, like what car you want to drive in five years. It's not that. Right? Because, like, many Israelites, many kings have had done that in Israel. They had done their best job, and a lot of them worked. Uh, king Hezekiah comes to mind. He was a good king. But he didn't follow God with a whole heart. Because what happened was, one day he came up with this really cool plan. He's going to attack the Ammonites, his enemies, and steal their uh, battering ram, steal their building materials while he's distracting them in another battle, and then use their own building materials to build up his kingdom. Very smart. Not God's plan. So God sent a prophet to Hezekiah and said, hey, that was not a good idea because you, you did a cool thing, but I was going to have you destroy your enemies. They were never going to be a problem ever again. And now it, what happened with Hezekiah was he actually imprisoned the prophet that came and told him, hey, you sinned. And I, I've preached this before, too, how the same thing happened to David many times. Prophets would come to him and say, hey, you sinned against God. And David's response usually was to repent. It wasn't always immediate. It wasn't perfect for sure. David did a lot of messed up things. But his first thing was normally to accept the conv conviction of God and accept that God was trying to help him, discipline him, and not you know punish him needlessly. So the four steps to planning with God. Step one is the most important thing. If you don't have this, everything else doesn't matter. Everything else is a self-help thing, and uh, that can be as successful as you want it to be, but it's not going to get you to where God wants you to be. I believe God has created every one of us for a specific purpose, and that we all have something in us that only he put in us. And I don't think you can achieve that at all without God. So step one, the purpose of mankind. Like the purpose, you know, the question, like, what's the purpose of life? I'll tell you, it's really easy. The purpose of life is to love God and worship and enjoy him forever. That is the purpose. It's not one of the purposes. It's not the number one purpose, and then there are ten more. That is the purpose of life. Everything else should support that purpose. So even my job, I shouldn't say anything, my boss is in the room, that I may not be passionate about, right? <clears throat> but even my job supports the purpose of loving God and worshiping him and enjoying him forever. We were created to be known by God. I said this in jail recently. I, I was preaching to them and I said, uh, do you know why you were created? You were created because God wanted you to exist. Like that's it. He just wants to know you and to be known by you. And they all looked at me like, because it's kind of a hard concept, right? It's like he wants you so much. That, and, and he knows you better than you know yourself, you know, that he just wants to know you. Like, that's the whole point is just to have that relationship with him. So the beginning and end of all things is in God himself. 
If we do anything outside of God, it ain't in the right direction. Uh, my friend Rob, that uh, I do a lot of my passion with, we uh, film, and that's my passion in life. Uh, he says a lot of the times, like, if God has given you a direction, and he says travel north, and you find yourself going this way, well, that's obviously not the right direction. There's a lot of things you can do, and, and God's shown me that a lot in my own life. I've done a lot of jobs in the last 10 years. I shouldn't say it again in, my, in front of my boss, but uh, I've done so many things that you would think uh, is just like, I'm a crazy person. Like, like I'll tell you some of the things I've done. I, I'm a dispatcher. I'm a, a certified uh, medical emergency dispatcher. I worked in a toilet paper factory for like two days filming. filming. I worked at uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, doing graphic design. I worked at Rite Aid, not doing graphic design. I'm a part-time optician. I guess they let me say that. Um, lots of things. I've done so many things on film sets that I can't even tell you all the places I filmed. I filmed on a plane, on a boat, in cars, in many cars. Uh, have not done a train yet, but maybe soon. Oh, where? I filmed in a rowboat, but not in a kayak yet. But, and you might think, well, that sounds like my life is very unfocused. One away, yeah, a little. <laughs> it's a little bit. But in a, another way, God has allowed me to amass a lot of different talents that I never wanted to seek out. And now the passion that God has put in my life is for film. And as I pursue that, as I go in that direction, I now have a lot of cool tools that I can use to pursue that passion and to maintain relationships with other people. So uh, the reason I tell you a lot about this is because as we go through these steps, I want you guys to think about your own walk. And I don't mean like in a, like you leave here tonight and then you're completely different. The, the goal is you will be different. God will create a new creation in you. And this is of course for if you're already saved. If you're not saved, as I said, there is nothing outside of God. There's nothing you can do to achieve anything. This is within God, within his love, within what Jesus did for you. I believe God wants us to make plans to be the man or woman that he created you to be. So some people wander through life without any real direction. And I am this person. As I told you, I have many jobs. And I, I still don't really know what I'm doing, right? Um, some people try to plan their life through their own strength down to the last second. I'm also this person. M most of you are both of these people. Some of you are one way more than the other, but most of us are both. Um, we have to acknowledge the purpose of life, which is, you can say it, it's all right. You can talk over me. What's the purpose of life, anyone? L love God, worship him, enjoy him forever. That's the purpose of life. We have to acknowledge that before we attempt to accomplish anything else. Anything apart from God is futile. King Solomon found that out, the wisest guy that ever lived. He found that out pretty easy, that everything else is futile. Um, so Psalm 37, 3 through 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as long as your base principle, without that step one, to love God, to know God, trust in the Lord and do good. Without that, there is no other, there's no reason to get into your passions because you haven't tapped into the source. You got to tap in the source before you get into the stream, right? So step two, why do you specifically exist? 
this is a question that is uh, pretty subjective and one that you probably think about either all the time or never. Or again, probably both of those. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So what is your race? What are you supposed to do specifically? So we know the core. We know the, the basic principle, right? We, we exist to know God and be known by him. That is the core. There's a, a second part. Why do you specifically exist? I'll ask you, like, what makes your heart rate go a little too fast? A good example is I have this fancy smartwatch that tells me when I'm exercising, and whenever I'm talking about either politics or movies, it thinks I'm exercising because <laughs> my heart rate is really high, right? So what is it that makes you, your heart rate, go high? What is it that makes your heart pulse? And I don't mean in a, like, politics might be like an irritation way, but I mean more of a, like, for me, movies. I talk about movies, and I'm, people probably tell you I'm a different person. I'm way more dynamic when I'm talking about movies or Jesus, right? Because that's the two things that's like the blood flowing through my veins, right? So what is it for you? There are people that I know in my life that feel like they don't know their purpose, but you're never too old or too young to start asking God what specifically he wants you to do. There are a lot of people that don't actually know the direction, like specifically what they're going to do. I mean, everyone hears about in the film community about Morgan Freeman. He didn't start acting until he's in his 40s. And everyone knows his name, right? There are very few people in this room that don't know who that is. My mom might not know who that is. I don't know. Oh, she knows. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, so uh, you're never too old or too young. So the only excuse is the ones that you're making. That God does not know the barrier of uh, Moses was 80 when he was called. So God does not know the, the barrier of, oh, you're too old. You can't do it. That, that's a you thing, not a God thing. So... Um, Are you going to God with these questions? Are you trying to figure them out on your own? When's the last time you asked God what you should be doing? And I don't mean like I ask God everything, like what I should eat for lunch, which is good. I think God wants to have a constant communication. But when do you ask the big questions? Like, am I achieving the purpose that you have put me here to do? Like, I know I'm supposed to make movies. Am I achieving that? I'm headed in that direction, right? I would, I would really like to do everything that's in my heart to do right now, but I feel like God has given me puzzle pieces, and a lot of you will feel this when I say it. He's given me a lot of puzzle pieces, but not enough to connect them all. So I've got a puzzle piece of probably closer to the end of my life of what I believe God's vision for me is, and my vision, I want my vision for my life to be God's vision. I don't want to have to differentiate between the two. It's the same thing. So but they don't connect right now, you know? So there's a lot of faith and a lot of trust that goes into that relationship with God. I know that God has this big vision for me that I cannot get to that last puzzle piece at all by myself. I can't get close. How many times have you asked God about what your path is? And if you're deviating. A lot of us, like I said, a lot of us are headed north, and we deviate a lot. 
why aren't we going to God and saying, hey, God, am I deviating? Am I, am I taking the most efficient route? Because it's not bad to do the things you want to do that line up with that direction God has given you. But there are, there are potentially better ways, and without talking to God about it, you're, you're never going to find that out. You can't do it in your own strength. So step three. Step one was, what, what, what was it? Love God. Be known by God and, and know God. Step two. Step two is going to God with your big questions. The, the first one, if you're, right, if you're taking notes, why do you exist? What is your mission and goal in life? That's the big questions. And if we don't ask God, who are we asking? If we're asking ourselves, that's the wrong person. So step three. This one's a, a weird one because we don't know. How long do you have to live? That's it. And I want you to be realistic about that when you ask yourself that. Um, I'm turning 30 and I'm having a midlife crisis. Um, and most of y'all, yeah, that's right. Most of y'all are laughing because I'm still a baby and that's fine. Um, but y'all could probably relate to, to some of that. Um, but whether you're a five or 50, Psalm 39, uh, four through five, it says, show me Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. So I'm not saying this to depress anyone or trigger any uh, midlife crises besides my own. Um, I, but I, it's a valid question. How long do you think you have left on this earth? And you don't have to say it out loud. Because some of y'all are going to say 120 years. And you might. But let's be realistic. And here's why we need to be realistic. Where, do you, where does God want you to be at the end of your race? You know, I, I asked you, what is your race? What, what has God put in your heart to race for? And I'm not talking about a job or the car you're going to drive. I want to ask you a question. The one that I get asked on a lot of job interviews. Again, something I probably shouldn't talk about with my boss in the room. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? And I ain't talking about in this earth. I mean in the kingdom of God. What have you accomplished in five years? And if the answer is you don't know yet, what do you do with that question? It was step two. You remember that? Ask God. Yeah, there you go. Y'all are paying attention. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you go to God with that. Because what we discussed before, if you have no goal, you will accomplish that goal. If you wander, yeah, God has a big vision for your life, and he has a sense of humor as well. And he has a tendency of getting you to where he, he wants you to be anyway. But there, as I said before, there's more efficient ways of doing it. Like, we don't have to have cold feet. We don't have to wander through the wilderness. Uh, one of my missions I know God has put in my heart, I want to... Uh, disciple the way I've been discipled to the point where when I'm uh, old or gone, I have people that speak in my funeral, even if I'm still alive, um, that say that I want like them to be 60 year old Christians. And I don't mean like a 60 year old who is a Christian. I mean, a 20 year old who got saved or uh, got closer to God or got baptized in the Holy Spirit because of what I'm doing, because I'm pursuing the passions that God has put in my heart the 20-year-old that has been living for God for 60 years. So I want an 80-year-old to stand up there and say, I'm a 60-year-old Christian because he was pursuing what God put in his heart. And that's what I have the desire, God has the desire for you to be. 
And not like a, I've been serving God for 60 years. Not that. I know. I, I've, been, I've been saved, saved since I was 16. So y'all can do the math on that, right? And sometimes I do walk around saying, like, I've been saved since I was 16. Like, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a journey, and it has. But the, the point is, like, is it worth it? What are you racing for? So where do you see yourself in five years in the kingdom of God? And some of the things you can work out are like, of course, what passion God has given you. What skills has God given you? I told you that, you know, I, I uh, can multitask a lot right now because I did a dispatch job. Sometimes it's bad because I can't focus on one thing. I focus on six things. Uh, I can hear across the room and do multiple conversations because of that job. Um, I have an eye that can see green screen in any film I'm watching, which is both, which is mostly a curse. It's really not a gift. It's just a curse. But uh, God has given me a certain skill set that will probably be useful down the line, I hope. All right? So what has God given you? Passions, talents, skills. So Matthew 6, 33, just to reiterate, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well that direction I was talking about, if you get too much in the weeds, you wind up, if you're going north, you wind up, you're going northeast or whatever direction that would be. You know, you're going this, you're going up and now you're going right. And that, that's where you wind up slipping, right? So no, no slip zone. So step four, um, begin the planning process. So now you've asked the big questions. You know the base level where we have to be to keep going. You've asked the big questions to God. And now you're asking yourself, okay, how long do I have left? And where do I want to be in the kingdom of God? What do I want to do for God in the time I have left? Because let's be honest, I am about to turn 30, which means I know everything. It also means I think I can live forever, which I'm learning, by the way, not, <laughs> not so much. Um, I used to drink a gallon of sweet tea a day. And that is true. I don't think I'm exaggerating at all. I think that's just true. A gallon of sweet tea a day and at least two or three Dr. Peppers. Yeah, I drank like terrible because I knew I was not really human and I would never die, right? And then one day I, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm kind of overweight. And I never really looked it, but like I, I was 250 pounds almost. I was, I'm like 199 right now because I stopped. I realized, oh, I am human. I'm not immortal. I'm not, you know, impervious to the bad things I put in my life. So... So that was step three. So step four, the planning process. Uh, it always starts when you do a plan. You have to assess where you are now. That's why I'm telling you to ask big questions. If you don't know where you are, you have no idea where you're going. So God already knows. I think it's really funny that I'm doing this new thing where I tell God, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Because a lot of times I'm not honest with God. I put on a pretense. I don't know why. I feel like we all do that, and it's really silly because we know that he knows us better than ourselves, but I put on this mask and I'm like, well, you know, I, I worship a lot. And it's like, have I worshiped today? And that's a question you can ask yourself. And, and it's okay if the, if the answer is no, you can actually stop and worship. If the answer is no, you haven't spent quiet time with God. Five minutes is better than nothing. I once heard someone say uh, a little bit of uh, eternal water is better than dying of thirst. There, there are some people that I do this a lot. I'm trying to do an hour of quiet time with God every day. And if I, don't, if I don't hit that, I feel like a total failure. 
I feel like a big sinner. And I know a lot of people that do that, and then they quit. So, like, for one day, you do the hour alone time with God. It's awesome. You, you spend more than an hour. I, I did that a couple weeks ago. I spent, like, an hour and a half. It was awesome. The next day, I spent, like, 40 minutes because, you know, busy. But, yeah, exactly. I did extra yesterday, you know, carving time out for God. The third day, you didn't do it because you're too busy, and you know you're not going to have an hour, so you just stop. You just don't do it. I've seen people do that with the gym, too, and it's like the, there's – Long-suffering and endurance is what God is trying to put in your life. But the only way he can do that is through long-suffering and having you endure. Kind of, It stinks, but that's what God wants for you. He wants you to endure to the end. He wants you to be an 80-year-old Christian. right? So be honest with God. Um, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's okay to be like, you know, God, I, I feel like I'm not very good. Because God, God knows exactly where you are. Sometimes you don't know where you are. It's okay to ask God to search you. Um, set goals is part of the planning process. Set ways to measure those goals. We are not the government. Therefore, when we say, hey, we're going to do this thing, we actually have to measure how we achieve that thing. You can't just say, that was a government joke, by the way. Y'all can laugh at that. Uh, but you have to, but you can. Um, but yeah, so we actually have to measure how you achieve it. Uh, I think this is the part where you lose Christians a little bit because uh, the idea that you can plan your life is uh, a scary concept because you have the tendency of wanting to grab it and control it and say, I plan my life this way. You know, the King Hezekiah way. I, I'm going to do this because it's awesome. But God is saying, hey, I don't want you to do that awesome thing because I have something better for you, right? So it's important to figure out a way to measure those goals. If you want to be closer to God, a lot of you, when you thought about where do I want to be in five years in the kingdom of God, a lot of you thought closer to God. How much closer? How, how many feet? Like, how many spiritual feet closer? You can't just say closer and have no way to measure that metric. You, you actually have to figure out where are you now and where do you want to be. If, if you feel very far away from God now, then in a year, you should not feel very far away from God. How do you measure that? How do you get there? And for a lot of people, that would be different. Uh, but again, you go to God with those things. Um, what are the roadblocks that are keeping you from doing what God has created you to do? I think most of us are fear, but a lot of us are confusion. I think that's my biggest thing. I just, I want to do everything and all at one time. And you can't. And, and God actually ha wants you to be focused. You know, I, I have that problem where I have this split attention. I can do many things at once. And that makes me feel like I can do everything at once, but you can't. Um, and God doesn't want you to. God wants you to focus on what he's put you here to do. Um, but you need to think about what are the roadblocks. If it's sin, that's an easy one. Stop sinning. It's an easy one. I, I already established that most of us in this room are already believers, right? We've already been born again. We trust in Jesus. Just don't sin. It's, it's really not that hard. It, it is hard, but it's more... It, it, it's a little hard, but... You, you ever hear people say, like, you know, we all sin. That's true. We do. Um, I can confidently say I have not sinned today. Can you? 
and, and here's the thing. You, you can say whether you have or have not. I know some people, like, I had that conversation, and they're like, well, I probably did. You know if you did. It's not a mystery. We know what's sin and what's not sin. That's not a mystery. And, and it's okay. if you did sin, there is forgiveness. It's okay. There's no condemnation in Christ. But you, you, you have to get that roadblock out. If it's sin, that's easy. Get rid of it. If it's addiction, again, easy. Get rid of it. The harder stuff, personality and character. For instance, I don't know. There's some of my friends in, in the audience here. Um, I'm kind of a lazy person. That's a character flaw. That's, that's not great, right? That's not a great thing about my character. But here's the thing. God's Holy Spirit is stronger than your character. He, he can actually change your character. You are not bound by your character. So uh, you got to think about what are the roadblocks. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You can't run if you're carrying baggage. I'm learning that. God has revealed to me that I carry a lot of baggage that I did not know I carried. Um, which is weird because every, every once in a while you'll sit down with God and you'll say, okay, I'm going to take this one subject and I'm going to sit here with God. I'm not going to leave until I get an answer. You know, I'm going to do it Jacob and I'm going to wrestle with the angel until I walk away with the limp, you know? Um, that's a joke too. Y'all can laugh. It's all right. Um, you know, I have to, but you know, you could. Um, but I did that recently. I, I had a very specific thing I wanted to pray about. And God revealed to me, I'm carrying around a lot of hurt. I shouldn't, I have no business carrying it. Um, and a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people are doing that. You, you got to run your, your race. You can't do that if you're held down. So another thing that is a really big thing for me is trusting God for the increase. Sometimes in most of our lives, there are very few people this won't apply to. God's going to call you to do something that will not be immediately multiplied. It may not be multiplied in your lifetime, and you have to be okay with that. You don't have to be okay with that right now, because God can, again, he will change your character, he'll change your heart, but God will make you okay with that. You got to want what God wants for you, even if it means you're like Moses, and you're 120 years old, and you've been through the wilderness for 40 years, and you've served faithfully, as faithfully as you can, and you still don't see the promised land. But, but he got Israel there. He allowed God to work through him to achieve a great thing. And he became the father of the Israelite faith. So you got to start asking yourself, when, when, especially when you're asking, how long do I have left on this earth? My biggest question, I ask God all the time, will it be worth it? Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired all the time. Um, I worry about a lot of stuff. You know, all the things the Bible that says not to do, that's what I do. But, you know, you, you can admit that, you know. Um, but what God wants you to do is start putting your trust in him and knowing that he will be the one to increase. So like Moses, he didn't see the, he saw a glimpse of the promised land. He never got to live it. But God still increased. Israel still, uh, even though, yeah, they sinned and they fell away, they, they spent so much time in the promised land so many miracles happen in the promised land, so much foreshadowing of Jesus in the promised land. And all that happened because one man was faithful enough to just give what he had. Uh, the guy that did um, The Chosen Show, a lot of you uh, watch that, 
uh, Dallas Jenkins, he says a lot, a lot of the times, uh, you're not responsible for the increase. You're only responsible for bringing your fish and your loaves. Like the kid that brought his fish and loaves. He, he, it was not his job to increase. It was not the disciples' job to increase. That was Jesus. Jesus did that. So Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So that just goes back to the, the basic point. Everything I'm trying to say is, if you are not building your house on the foundation of Christ and your relationship with him, I don't mean your belief with him, like your belief in him, because many people believe in Jesus and believe in God, and it's not the same as knowing God. Like, the, like remember our, our step one, to know God and be known by God, to love God and worship him? That is different than believing in God. You, you can believe in him and not know him, right? What God wants us to do is to know him, and then the belief will come. Um, so through prayerful planning and a heart devoted to God, that's how we find meaning and direction in our lives. So I'm wrapping up. I know some of y'all are nodding off, and that's all right. I am too. Um, but I just, I guess what I want to say to y'all, what God has put on my heart most of all, is that he wants you to plan. He wants you to do things, but just not apart from him. I, I think we just live in this weird culture where it's like either you're doing it or you're going to let God do it. And there is no like, hey, you can plan to do things. There are things in your control. I, I mentioned addiction and sin. That is in your control. You can stop sinning. You can stop being addicted. It's hard. A lot, for a lot of people, that will be the mountain that you will climb, and it will be very, very difficult for you. For some of you uh, who have been delivered from addictions, it happens overnight. I know plenty of people that that's happened to. But for some, it, well, like sweet tea for me, happened overnight. My addiction was broken. That sounds funny, but was, I drank a gallon. I was going to die from it. You know, eventually I was going to. Um, and overnight, it was broken. That ain't going to happen for everyone. There's plenty of other things in my life. Laziness is one of them. That does not happen overnight. It does not. Or in the morning when I can't get up out of bed. Um, so the real thing is, who do you think God wants you to be? Who has he created you to be? What has he created you to do? And if you're asking yourself that, it's the wrong person. And I think, I, I've been asking myself that since I got saved, saved when I was 16. And I think that's part of the problem with how I've wandered a little bit. And like I said, God has a tendency of taking your wandering and still using it for his purpose and still bringing you closer to him. So like my biggest fear is probably messing up and not like going the most efficient route to what God has got me to do. But that's not God's fear. God's not afraid of that. God, God understands where you're going to go and how he's going to get you there. Uh, so I think we need to learn how to trust God more than ourselves and more than fear. So um, I just want to leave that with you, that the prime directive of life is to know God and be known by God, to love God, worship him, and be with him forever. That's the goal. So if you're in this room and you know Jesus, you have achieved your primary directive. That is good. You can go home and go to sleep and stop doing everything if you really want to, but you are only living a fraction of what God wants for your life. And I feel like 
as the church as a whole has that idea that like, you know, pretty soon we're going to be raptured or, you know, we're going to pass and, and go be with Jesus. So we don't have to worry about this world. We don't have to worry about, you know, the things that other people are doing in the name of whatever gods they serve. We don't have to worry about all that because we won't be here too long. But God has actually put things in your heart to accomplish on this earth. Like that, that is one of the secondary goals for, for you is to do things here. We're, we're eternal beings that are only here for a very small time. So it's important that we focus on what's the most important, which is God. So if there's anyone that feels that they're distant from God, if there's anyone that's never had a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know that you can have one, like right now. And there's no steps to go through. I'm not even going to do a sinner's prayer. I'm going to pray for you here in a minute. But uh, you can know Jesus right now. All you have to do is reach out. And it's not this thing where it's like, okay, you reach out and you say, I believe. Remember what I said? You can believe and not know him. You, you can believe and not be saved. I, I actually believe you can believe Jesus exists, but you're, you have nothing to do with him. I know, we know plenty of people like that. The real question is, who do you want to be? And who does God want you to be? So I encourage everyone to start reaching out to God, follow those four steps, and most importantly, follow the word of God. That's what happened with Ezra when Shechaniah said, hey, get up and take action. What did they do? Did they go and like kill everyone that sinned? Mm-mm, they didn't. That Shechaniah said, do it according to the word of God. And so they did it. And that is the reason that Jerusalem was rebuilt. So that when Jesus came for his ministry, now Jerusalem had a temple. Now Jerusalem was a city. That would not have been the case if not for Ezra and Nehemiah. So it had a bigger plan. God had a bigger thing going on. So if you want to be closer to God, uh, everyone bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to encourage you right now. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to say a simple prayer, but I want you to just take a minute and ask God one question. And it doesn't have to be one of the questions that I've presented you with. It can be something else that's on your heart. But I just want to take a minute, and I ain't going to say nothing. I just want you to listen, because we don't listen enough to what God is trying to say to us. We listen to what we are trying to say to God. So I want you to find one question. I want you to focus on it. I want you to give it to God and try to hear him. Cut out your own thoughts. Cut off your own feelings right now. Go ahead. One question. Ask God. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.